Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 197th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again once again today. Gonna recap Carolina's win last night at home over Boston College. We're going to look at the box score, give our quote of the game, stat of the game, more thoughts and takeaways. And, uh, buddy, it was um, – it's not as easy as a win as I think we – first off, what we predicted. I think everybody, uh, including us, expected Carolina to to beat a, a really bad Boston College team and beat them rather handedly. That didn't happen. The, the, the outcome in the game was still up in the air with about six minutes left. Um, as as Boston College cut what was a, a, a 11 point deficit all the way down to one, but some big plays made on both ends of the core by Caleb Love sparked a 7-0 run and allowed Carolina to put together uh, or stretch lead back out to eight, and Boston College would never recover. And and I think the thing is is that there's just a lot of not a lot of positivity coming out around this from this victory. But I look at it and say, did Carolina won a game at home where they shot 43% from the field? They still continue. They still struggled to, to make three-pointers. From a percentage standpoint, just 34%. They struggled with turnovers and free throws, and yet they found a way to win a game, and that stuff translates not only into the ACC slate, which, which heats up this weekend, but also will carry over into the ACC tournament and even the NCAAs. I just don't understand how at this point we're we're knocking ACC victories. Like, look, do I think that it's one that you're going to put on your tournament resume and say this is what should get us into the NCAA tournament? This is what should, you know, help our, our, our seed ranking in the NCAA tournament? No, of course not. But it's a conference win. And... It's against a Boston College team that I think is scrappier than they probably get credit for. You know, the, I, I think the thing that probably hurt 
this game a little bit is that the previous two games that uh, Boston College played, they weren't they didn't play all that great. But I mean, look, this is Earl Grant is a heck of a head coach. We have talked about that on here before. And he's going to get his guys to play hard. There's a reason why they were able to play Duke hard. Um, you know, I, I I think this is a better win than people are going to want to give them credit for. But at the same time, I, I do think that there is some legitimacy to the people that are concerned about the fact that Carolina had a chance to pull away in this game, to put this thing away early in the second half and didn't. They had a chance in the middle of the second half to put this game officially away, and they let Boston College back into it. At one point, the lead was cut down to one before Caleb Love turned it on when he needed to for Carolina late in the game. So, yeah, that's the part that you should be, you know, maybe a little bit frustrated with. But in terms of the overall win, you shouldn't be looking at this and saying, that, look, Carolina should have won this game by 30 or more. This is There is only one team that I look at right now in the ACC and say that you should blow that team out no matter who you are, and that is Louisville because Louisville just plain sucks. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to be mad about a conference win on a, on a weeknight as well. These Some of these weeknight games can be like this, so – I mean, credit Carolina for pulling it out, and the way I look at it is, hey, games like this that are close, even against these opponents that aren't exactly great, they can only help you when you get into the tournament and you get in those close matchups. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the thing that I looked at was Carolina found other ways to win a ball game when they didn't play at their absolute best. And guess what? That's what championship caliber teams do. You're not going to play six perfect games in the in the NCAA tournament. You're not going to play three straight perfect games in the ACC tournament. you got to find other ways to win, and that's what Carolina did last night. The win improved their record to 13-6 and six overall. They're now 5-3 and three in the ACC. They remain perfect at home. Uh, they're now 9-0 nine, nine oh, uh, at the Smith Center so far this season. Armando Baycott powered the team with 20 points and 16 rebounds in 35 minutes. That became his 60th double-double of his Carolina career, tying him with the legendary Billy Cunningham for the most all-time in Carolina history. He's also closing in on the all-time rebounding record, which was set by Tyler Hansborough. He has a chance to break both of those records on Saturday in what's going to be a really uh, big game at home against NC State. Uh, Carolina held Boston College to 0 of 6 from behind the three-point line. And, look, we knew Boston College entered the game as a bad perimeter shooting team, only making four threes per game and shooting 27% or 28% from behind the three-point line. Uh, but that was the first time since beating Jacksonville back in 1990, a stretch of 1,120 games that Carolina did not allow – their opponent to make a three-point shot. So, oh you know, it wasn't it wasn't the prettiest uh, of wins. Uh, but, look, for those of us that have watched Carolina basketball, I mean, I'm going on what, year 16 of watching this program. They, they, they win ACC games like this every year at home against a below-average opponent where they don't play very well. It's just part of the – it's part of the Carolina experience. It's just part of – 
how this team plays. And, you know, look, as as experienced as this team is, you're, you're, you're not going to tell me they aren't looking ahead to Saturday when a rival comes to town in a game that has as much meaning uh, as, as there has been in some recent time between Carolina and NC State. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things just played into it, but nonetheless, they got the win, and that's the most important thing. Let's take a look now at the at the box score, which is brought to you by DraftKings. As I mentioned, Carolina, just 43% from the field, 26 of 61. I mean, Boston College outshot them, 26 of 54 from the field for 48%. Uh, Carolina was 10 of 29 from behind the three-point line for 34%, uh, led by R.J. Davis going 4 of 7 from three. We just mentioned that Boston College – 0 of 6 from deep. Carolina's foul struggles continued from the free throw line, just 10 of 17. And at one point, they were 3 of 8 from the charity stripe. That's just 59%. Meanwhile, Boston College was 12 of 14. That was 86%. Carolina committed 12 turnovers, which led to 14 Boston College points. Meanwhile, Boston College with 9 turnovers, which led to just 8 points for Carolina. As you could imagine, with Armando's rebounding dominance, Carolina won the rebounding margin uh, pretty easily, 37-27 to 27 overall. It was pretty much even on the defensive glass, 23-22. to 22. Carolina with 14 offensive rebounds compared to just five for Boston College, uh, which led to a 19-4 advantage in second chance points. BC's bench did outscore Carolina's bench 11-7. They did outscore Carolina in the paint, 38-30, to but Carolina's three-point shooting really made up for it. Fast break points went the way of Boston College, too, 14-12. They even outblocked Carolina, 3-2. Carolina was six steals to just five for BC. Carolina had eight assists on 26 made baskets. Uh, Louisville or Boston College with just six assists on 26 made baskets. The game was tied one time. Um, Carolina led for 37 minutes and 39 seconds. Let's move on now to the quote of the game, which uh, which uh, we go to Hubert Davis talking on Caleb Love helping close out the game. He said, quote, I thought that was what gave us life was the defensive charge. That's what I thought gave us life. You know, one of the things that I've said a number of times is Caleb is a basketball player, and all of our guys are. And if you can make an impact in any different area – not just scoring and shooting, it's distributing, it's playing defense, it's rebounding, it's team chemistry, energy, effort, enthusiasm. There's a number of ways that you can benefit a team and allow us to be the best that we can be. But I think, I mean, it was nice that he, you know, <laughs> from an offensive standpoint, he made some shots down the stretch. But to me, I thought the biggest play in the game was the, was his defensive charge he took late in the second half. I don't. Okay, I have a question about how you just read that. Did you or did you not insert the laugh yourself, or did you actually put in there chuckle while reading that part because Huber chuckled? No, I part. laughed because of the way – because I read oh, it okay. verbatim. I thought you were actually acting out how Huber Davis was saying it in the postgame. I was like, this is next-level stuff that you only get here on the Four Corners podcast, maybe. Th- there was not a better – stretch of basketball that Caleb Love has played this season than his personal 5-0 run combined with his defensive charge that outlines the Caleb Love experience. Because up until that moment, once again, 
he was very underwhelming from the field. And he, for the most part, he was. He was just 7 of 18 from the field. He was just 2 of 10 from 3. He only had a rebound, no assist, two turnovers in 34 minutes. Yet when it came time to make winning plays, he was the guy that made them. And I think, you know, I could go back to the conversation we had after the Louisville win where, you know, I drew a lot of flack for saying that he should be benched for making bad decisions. I think we've just got to come to the conclusion that Hubert Davis isn't going to bench him because he knows this type of potential is there. And, you know, I, I was talking with a coworker today. For Carolina to win a national title, Caleb Love's got to be a really good player. He's got to be an impactful player on both ends of the court. It hasn't come all together for him so far this season. Uh, I liken his importance to Isaiah Hicks' importance in 2016-2017 where Carolina needed him at some point to help them win a national title. He made the biggest bucket in that game against Gonzaga. Carolina needs Caleb Love. And I think at this point the shooting slump is just something he's not going to come out of. But you got to give the kid credit because despite a a season-long shooting slump and issues with turnovers and stuff like that, he hasn't lost total confidence. And when Carolina needed him the most last night, he was able to step up and make the plays to help us to help his team win. Well, yeah, but this is the thing. The conversation is not about, hey, should we bench Caleb Love late in games because he's struggling? No, the conversation is we want to at times lessen his minutes in the middle of games when he has seemed to hurt Carolina because he did it he did it again last night. There was a time where he forced up a shot that he shouldn't have and as a result Boston College went on a 5-0-7-0 run. I mean, we've, we've seen it so many different times this season. And that's, that's the point that I still think last night continues to show. Yes, final f- at the under four timeout of each half, this dude should be subbed into the game if for some reason he is out. I get that. But... There, there are times where he is just struggling in the other portions of these games, and you have to take him off the floor. But yes, this is the reason why Hubert Davis and a lot of fans have a hard time saying that he shouldn't be out there because you never know when he is going to get hot. But it seems like we're starting to pinpoint that here this season. Down the stretch in these games... He, th- th- this is where he is starting to shine, which is what he did last year for Carolina during the tournament run. So I, I think that's the thing is, look, you, there's still, you know, the issues that he's had for the majority of the season. They're still there. They showed up again last night. I mean, it, until that stretch late in the game, you know, he, he was having another one of those shooting nights. It, it was, uh, I, again, going to be, Probably somewhere around four for fifth, four for fifteen from the field, you know, maybe even three for fourteen, exactly like he was the other night. So, I think that's that's the thing is Carolina is still to me they have to find a way to manage his minutes better because now I and and this is the thing that I don't really understand here from Hubert Davis. Apparently, Seth Trimble is now out of the lineup. In terms of him being a player that plays 
rotational minutes because he only had three minutes last night. So I guess it's back to pretty much just leaning on Caleb Love and R.J. Davis as heavy as you possibly can. DeMarco Dunn will sub in there at times to sort of help them out. But I, I to me, you, you've got to find a way to make this team more efficient. It was great what we saw from them late last night, and it's the reason why you have to have them in there down the stretch. But it it doesn't excuse the fact that there are times where he has to be taken off the floor. He needs to be coached on what he is doing wrong in certain situations. And, and I, I think last night really just, just bolstered that point again. Let's move on now to the stat of the game. And I think it would have been easy to go with Carolina's difference in the three-point shooting where they made 10 uh, compared to, to none made by Boston College. But I went with the second chance points because it was a plus 16 differential, 19 or plus 14 different, or 15 with a 19 to 4 advantage uh for Carolina and that's something where we haven't seen Carolina be as efficient as you probably like them to be in terms of grabbing offensive rebounds and turning them into points. Last night they did that and it really helped fuel an offense that was you know just continuing to struggle in the half court. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest ad we have from DraftKings. Then when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from the win at home over Boston College. That's coming up next on the Four Corners Podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the and for the divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg added up to 100%. This is the only place, guys, I go to when I want to make my bets on the NFL, I did so for the regular season. I did so with the wild card round. I'll be back for the divisional round as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL divisional round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great thoughts or all, all these great offers we've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. We do have great thoughts, though. Um, and we have great take, uh, great takeaways. Yeah, the- yeah. Apparently, I mean, we've got some reviews that say we do. We've got some other ones that don't. That 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 are. Uh, well, my, my my reviews are good. I don't know about the reviews on you. Oh, so you just completely block out all the bad reviews on you because that's that's what you do. We I just haven't that. found any. Okay. Okay, I'll believe that when I can actually see the reviews because <laughs> I I I would believe that there are definitely some people that are like this pompous rear end that's on here uh, at times just drives me insane because that's that's how I feel at times. Um, the first takeaway I have was Pete Nance returned. He played last night. He played 30 minutes, the fewest of any starter. But he also returned to the starting lineup, and he produced six points, grabbed five rebounds, 
handed out an assist, and committed three turnovers. There was some hope in me that Hubert Davis would be able to look at his team and realize his team is better when Pete Nance isn't on the floor. And maybe he needs these five days between last night's win and the going into the state game to further evaluate that situation. Pete Nance has a role on this team. He, he, he's a guy that can help this team. I think he's best suited to have a role and help this team coming off the bench. Um, and I think it was just very evident last night. Like, I know he made the first bucket of the game. He hit a three-pointer that hit every part of the rim before it fell in. And then he would hit a transition three also in that first half. But that's all he had. That's all he provided. And also with Pete Nance on the floor, like, we were really impressed with his individual defense out in the Phil Knight Invitational. Carolina's not as diverse defensively with him on the court. They can't switch everything the way they could with Trimble in the starting lineup or would they when they trotted out Puff Johnson when he started at Louisville. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of likened this to, you know, whenever Dawson Garcia got hurt last year and he missed some time and then he would ultimately not return with issues off the court, um, you know, with, with as he's dealing with, with some family issues. But it allowed Hubert Davis to find his best starting five. I think this also happened when Pete Nance left. He found his best five and maybe his second best starting five, even with Trimble in the lineup. Yet Nance comes back from injury, and not only does he play, he plays 30 minutes, and all of a sudden that rotation that you know we're still trying to to figure out who's going to play and when they're going to play, we didn't get any any closer to getting a definite rotation with Pete Nance coming back last night. Yeah, very confused by that. Didn't understand the reason why he started. Didn't understand the reason why Puff Johnson only played 11 minutes. Um, I thought Puff Johnson still deserved the opportunity to start because you saw the way that he played against Louisville, and I get it. Louisville, as I said, is cheeks. We know that. But, I mean... He, he he had one of his best offensive performances of his entire career yep. against the Cardinals. And I thought, you know, when he was out there on the floor, I, I thought that that really was, the to me, the best five that we've seen so far this year from Carolina. Because I think with Trimble, you, you saw moments these last few games prior to last night where things did get sped up a little bit for him. Whereas Puff Johnson, it seemed like he was starting to come into rhythm. It seemed like he was starting to find his offense a little bit. So I don't really understand that move from Hubert Davis to cut the minutes. And I think that's what it is. It's not really even a reflection on Pete Nance as much as it is a reflection on other guys on this team so far have stepped up. Um, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I think... What you're saying is 100% right, that he is best coming off the bench. To me, even if you didn't want to go with Puff Johnson or Seth Trimble, I would have rather seen this team start DeMarco Dunn last night and put Leakey at the four. I, I, I mean, I just, I just didn't understand going back to Pete Nance in the starting lineup and playing him 30 minutes after he had been as hampered by the back injury as he was. Like, my thing is, is it's dangerous to sort of cut the rotation for a guy that is not really, hasn't been all that efficient on the offensive end of the floor, isn't rebounding rebounding great. But the biggest thing is, 
is we don't know when this back issue could flare up again. Because as far as we know, this is some sort of like muscular issue. So this could flare up again at any point here and he could have to miss a game. You then would have to turn to guys that are seeing their minutes cut and expect them to play, you know, as many as 25, 30 minutes. That's the concern for me from what we saw last night. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle this against a team in NC State where they are going to have to play multiple bigs pretty much the entire game. You would imagine that means more Puff Johnson, hopefully more Jalen Washington, although we'll have to see how serious that injury is with him. But, yeah, last night was uh, was was head-scratching to say the least, especially considering that uh, he really wasn't bringing them a ton on the offensive end of the floor or on the glass. Yeah, and I think it's just uh, – like I. I'm not with you with DeMarco Dunn starting over Pete Nance and playing that lineup. I think DeMarco Dunn isn't ready for that type of role. But, I mean, maybe I just think too too much of myself and how much I know the game of basketball. I've seen Carolina play. that's true, yeah. I've seen Carolina play with Pete Nance. I've seen Carolina play without Pete Nance. And I thought they've played better without him. I think the way that he plays as well where he can he can just have these scoring bursts. I feel like that serves you better coming off the bench. So like do that's I. The, that's the type of player that I don't think he's a 30-minute player for Carolina right now. I don't think he's that type of guy. If he comes in, I feel like he could be more effective as a guy that comes in and plays 15, 18, maybe sometimes 22 minutes for you. I just don't right now I'm not seeing a guy that's a 30-minute-a-game guy, and yet last night, for some reason, they just reinserted him right back into that role. Well, I mean, I, I think my thing is that he just doesn't offer enough versatility to play with Baycott. Like, Brady Manick offered that. Yeah. Because Brady Manick could stand outside and never go inside the three-point line and still impact the game. I know Pete Nance made two three-pointers last night, and those were only two made buckets, but he entered last night shooting 34% from behind the three-point line. Like, I just feel like... For him, he'd be better suited on a lineup that was Love, Davis, Black, Johnson, and he's the five. And when when Baycott's sitting, and and look, maybe Hubert Davis will end up trending towards that. I know, you know, who, who is, it's all about more important who starts as opposed to who finishes games. But you know, coming up in some of these games, you know, how you start's going to be just as important to to how you finish with this slate of games about to heat up, and so. Um, you know, maybe that was just Schubert Davis staying loyal to a guy that is very experienced and stuff like that. But I, I don't want him to be too stubborn because I think it's just pretty evident to all of us, all all of us involved that watch and follow this team. Carolina looks better with him uh, not on the court as often as he was last night. The I'm, only question I have is: Do you think that the slow start? against Louisville had any sort of factor because you started no, Puff Johnson. It was a road one. game in the ACC. If you thought they were going to go in there and put the game away in the first four minutes or the first eight minutes, you're lying to yourself. Well, I mean, they were down eight. Look, we were all frustrated. But I I think, to me, that wasn't that wasn't an issue of the way that Puff Johnson was playing. That was an, an issue with the way that your guards were playing, not being able to stop the ball and, and allowing L. Ellis to just drive the lane. That would be the only thing that I could think, because yeah, I I don't see any I don't see any other way possible 
that you don't look at that performance against Louisville and think to yourself, man, we got to roll that starting lineup back out there again. That's just that's head scratching to me for sure. What isn't head scratching has got to be what Armando Baycock continues to do on the glass. He re he recorded another double double last night in the first half, so he tied the record set by Billy Cunningham in the first half of the game. He had his fourth 20-point, 15-rebound performance of the season. And and simply put, like, Quinton Post is a pretty solid player. He's a lot better than I thought he was for a guy that plays uh, basketball at a New Balance school in Boston College. Yeah, he plays hard, man. But they still had no answer for him. And, you know, it, it was I, I love seeing these types of milestones happen at home where our fan base is there to to really acknowledge what he's done. Because we didn't see this. I mean, he he's going to leave Carolina the most decorated rebounder in the history of the program. Well, he and, and I didn't say best because that could be open for interpretation because if he decides to come back for next year, which he has the option to, he's going to put the, the, the rebounding numbers through the roof to where they'll never be matched. So that's why I'm going to leave it as the most decorated rebounder. And it's just been phenomenal because it just really happened last year about in the middle part of the non-conference season where he just became a menace on the glass. His mm-hmm. first two years, he was a good rebounder. He wasn't He wasn't great. The last two years, he's been the best rebounder I've seen in college basketball since Tyler Hansborough. The ball just finds him. Well, John Wall doesn't agree with you on that one. Well, John sure. John Wall also, you know, took a lot of cash and caught a and, and caught a charge on the way to Kentucky. Can can we can we address this real quick? Here's my thing. You're going to hijack my segment here. First of all, well, you brought up Tyler Hansborough, and I'm angry. I'm angry about this because one, any story that we've heard from anyone is that Tyler Hansborough is one of the nicest dudes out there, and second. Tyler Hansborough is the greatest player to ever play in the ACC, and don't I, I don't care what any of the old school people that listen to this. Most Toriel fan, most of the people are Toriel fans that will listen to this. Uh, David Thompson was not better than him. I don't care what anybody says. David Thompson was a scrub compared to him. Um, and my thing is, if you're the greatest player in the history of the ACC, if you don't feel like talking to some some snob kid recruit, which is exactly what John Wall was coming out of high school, then you don't have to talk to him. Who cares? If Tyler Ansborough doesn't feel like talking to him, then he shouldn't have to. So for John Wall, get the hell over it. Look at how long you've been in the NBA. You've made your money. You made your money when you went to Kentucky. Everybody knows that. So, I mean, I, I really, I, I really don't care about that. People are like, man, we could add John Wall. Who cares? Whatever. We won our national championship the year before. You really think he would have made that much of a difference? He wouldn't have won no damn national title in in 2009-10. No, I'm I'm fine with having Deion Thompson and Will Graves as my guys that I remember from that season over John Wall. He can kiss my ass. Um, so anyway, b- back on point to to you know a more positive, uplifting, less cursed field topic. And that's Armando Baycott's rebounding because it's just – I enjoy watching this team miss shots because I enjoy watching him rebound the ball. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, you you are a man that – you are a bit of a uh, 
a rebounding savant. You do love you some rebounding. Well, when you've been a rebound boyfriend your entire life, you got to love rebounding in other aspects. I love watching it in the game of basketball. I mean, that is true, dude. You have really been that bounce back for most women. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, look, man, he's just – the thing, you, you said it wasn't head-scratching. You know what is head-scratching? How in the world did this dude leave the game against Virginia? We thought to ourselves – Man, who knows how long this guy could be out. He comes back and has two of his best rebounding performances of the season. Before the game against Louisville, he had one game this season where he had 16 or more rebounds. Mm -hmm. He has two back-to-back now. This dude got hurt and got better. I, I Like, it is unbelievable, this guy. I mean, that's the thing. Not only is he going to be remembered for the rebounding, he's going to be remembered for just how many different injuries he fought through. But, yeah, I mean, he's starting to look more and more like the guy we saw last season on the on the glass. I mean, look, I know Oscar Shibway is damn good. 37-24 and 24 last night. I mean, look, those two, are, those two are definitely, in my opinion, the two best rebounders in all of college basketball. But, I mean, Armando's got a heck of a case, man, because – I mean, he just, when he wants to take over and dominate a game on the glass, he can. And I I think you're seeing for this team just how much him being there means. Because I I am 100% convinced at this point that if he was in the lineup against Virginia for the entire game, Carolina wins that game. And Mm. to be honest, they may win that game by double digits. Because he is just... He was, even before this, he wasn't playing at this level, as I mentioned, in terms of rebounding. But he was getting there. He was starting to put up those types of numbers. So, I mean, it's it's huge for this team. And you saw it again last night. It, it, without that plus 10 on the glass, you really wonder what the ultimate outcome of this game is. And, yeah, he had his hands full last night with Quentin Post. He's got a lot of other big men in this conference that he's going to have to face where he's going to be tested. And I think P.J. Hall will probably be the be- the, the biggest test for him, and we'll see. But, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to deny at this point that this dude is – I mean, he's got to be at least just it, it best rebounders. You're, you would have to put him top five all-time at Carolina in terms of the actual rebounders. And, yes, in terms of the numbers – if this dude comes back for a super senior year, which at this point is like my sports fantasy, please yep. God let that happen. Um, he will. I mean, it, he will absolutely smash every one of these records. I mean, he he would at that rate. He would probably get close to an NCAA record, right? Oh yeah, he would. I mean, he he's if if he decides to come back, which I ultimately don't think he will. Um, unless the tournament run just gets cut way too short, and he's and you know because this guy, I, I haven't seen a player want to win a national championship more for this university since Marcus Page. Like I, I think this guy would die. He said he would die for this place. I think he would give up his life to to hang a banner in the Smith Center. But if he comes back from an ACC and and a UNC standpoint he would set the record so far they'd never be matched and he could he could probably even do it in, in, in with 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 some NCAA records because he's just been on that torrid pace as as an individual rebounder 
Let's talk about Carolina's defense because I thought, you know, I I thought all around, even though Boston College shot 48%, I thought they made them work for it. I, I thought Carolina's defense coming off the performance at Louisville where that was the big reason why they made that game into a blowout, I thought it carried over. I just thought Boston College had some guys made in Jaden Zachary, made some really tough shots. You know, I mentioned Quentin Post had his 17 points, but they held Mackay Ashton Langford to just eight points on two of nine shooting. His brother also with just eight points on three of six shooting. And the thing about the three-point defense and Carolina not allowing a made three-point basket is there's been a lot of things that Hubert Davis has tweaked and done differently than Roy Williams. He hasn't really changed the way Carolina has guarded the three-point line. It's kind of the same principles, but yet they're guarding the three better underhand than they were under Roy Williams the last couple years, and there was no better example of that than not allowing a May triple last night. And I think the thing about it is that the energy is being set by Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. Like, I thought Caleb Love competed really hard defensively last night despite the ball not going through the hoop. You know R.J. Davis is a guy that is is going to to to, to impact the game in on, on, on that end of the court. Leaky Black also was really uh, – was back to his normal self as a lockdown perimeter defender. He had a couple steals, grabbed six rebounds did a lot of different things for Carolina. And this is going to be the thing that I think could help carry them as this slate moves on. Because you're playing a, 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 a NC State team coming up that can score. You've got a, a, a Syracuse team that can shoot from deep that, that's coming up. you got Pitt in a rematch coming up. We know what they can do. Carolina's defense could be the thing that helps propel them to the top of the ACC if they continue this commitment on that end of the floor. So I thought the half-court defense was really good. The thing that frustrated me the most was their fast-break defense. I thought at times last night they struggled more than any game this season to get back in transition. And it allowed Jaden Zachary to have some easy buckets, which, by the way, there was a point in the game where we were getting it handed to us by him. I mean, this dude looks like he's 35 years old and has four kids, which he may be with the NCAA rules. To be fair, you look like you're 35 years old and may have four kids as well. So Why am I catching strays? Oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Similar hairlines. But, um, I, I mean, that was the one thing that I, I, that I think just frustrated me a little bit was there were times where it just did not seem like guys were hustling back the way they needed to in transition off of turnovers. But that's ultimately the thing, is that it's hard to be overly angry at Carolina the way they played on the defensive end of the floor because a lot of their issues defensively came off of turnovers. So if you hold on to the ball better, then you're not going to have to worry about having to get back in transition. I thought last night was one of their worst nights in terms of holding on to the basketball. And I think that's what led to some success for Boston College. And when you give them that many easy looks at the rim, yeah, it's going to be hard to slow that down. Um, I'm not worried about the fact that Post had you know, a, a really solid night. We've seen that before from him. Um, and I think part of that was also, you know, look, I, I think you saw the effects of 
at times of having Pete Nance on the floor defensively. I don't think he was able to handle himself great last night um, on the interior, and that's something that Carolina has to be able to find. You know, a little, uh, they need to, him to be a little bit more consistent on that end of the floor. But the way that they defended against Makai, Ashton Lankford, um, and and you know the three ball look, I think it's a it's a perfect recipe because as we talked about coming in, uh, this Boston College team was one of the worst in the entire country at shooting the three. Um, they only took six of them, but to accomplish what they accomplished in this game is no small feat. As you mentioned, they had went 1,120 straight games allowing a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. So for them for, for them to find a way to prevent this team from getting there because you look at you you look at, you know, the overall shooting night. I mean, they shot the ball well and look, they they weren't all at the rim. This was a team that did have to knock down some jump shots. So they were they overall they shot the ball well. It just they didn't shoot that from outside. Okay, Siri apparently doesn't understand how we were able to do that either. But, uh, yeah, I, I just – this this was a really good performance in the half court. It's just you have to be better at taking care of the basketball, and if you're going to turn it over, you have to be better in transition if you're Carolina defensively because that's what allowed Boston College to really stick around in this game. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's really hard to complain about fast break points giving up when a lot of them were, as you turned the ball over, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't a, a, an effort issue. It was just you turn the ball over, teams are going to take it down and score on the other end. One thing that we got we to gotta touch on before we get out of here, the free throw shooting I think is now, it's at a point where you can be concerned. Because Carolina has had some subpar free throw shooting performances, really since the Michigan game on, where it's either hurt them in losses or it's kept games closer than they probably should have been. They were just ten of seventeen last night from the foul line, um, for fifty nine percent. As I mentioned earlier in the show, they were at one point three of eight from from behind the three point line or from the the foul line. So they finish they finish seven of nine, but. That's got to be something that we're going to monitor as these games start to, you know, increase in importance moving forward. You got to make your foul shots, or those are the type of little things that can really come back and haunt you in the end. But when it's all said and done, Carolina got the win, and that's the most important thing. That is going to wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, heeltoughblog.com, where there's a recap posted of the win over Boston College. Go back, check out some more thoughts, more takeaways from the win at home over the Eagles. I'll be back later in the week to get you ready for a big-time matchup at home against rival NC State. As for football, they landed another transfer commitment. Uh, Anthony has you covered on that, and he'll keep you posted on all the news that does come out of the Keenan Center as Carolina football is officially in off-season mode. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast where we will pop up. We encourage you guys to re- to rate and review the podcast, but more importantly, we want you to smash that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Anthony once again for hosting. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.
Get any sweeter than that!